Welcome to this week's show. We're going to have today with us Sanjay Subheader of Storm Ventures. He's going to talk about venture capital in Silicon Valley. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Yeah, I think he has a lot of very good insight. He's worked on both sides of the fence as a CFO between two successful multi-billion dollar companies starting from the ground up. And now he's taking his venture into uh, leading a venture capital firm uh, of Storm Ventures. And this way he can help others and give back, so to say. Well, I think so. And uh, a lot of good insight there. Uh, we're going to talk about, though, before that... Uh, you know this this is this time of the year it's it's Christmas to some Hanukkah to others Kwanzaa we'll just kind of bundle this in and call it the holiday season right and uh, you know as you, as you drive down the streets you're going to see Christmas lights and indications of celebration going on and the and the homes in the neighborhood and typically it turns to a spirit of of joy uh, stores are filled with people purchasing gifts for friends or loved ones. Um, you know, I tell you, Black Friday was a nightmare to me, though. <laughs> <laughs> had a different meaning. I walked in through the Apple store, and I could barely move. They had probably about 19 employees inside this tiny little store, and just jam-packed. What would ever bring you to the Apple store on a Black Friday, Alan? Well, okay, <laughs> admittedly... I uh, I broke. Down, I bought iPads for all my management team. Oh, wonderful! What yeah. a nice and, gift! And so I was walking in there. You know, I I, I walked out with ten iPads. Wow! And it that, must have been a good deal then. Uh, they were they were like they they were on sale. They had six percent off, fifty bucks or something like that. It was like, but yeah, I, they never go on sale. And That's I'm, right. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this, and uh, it's been great because we brought this this technology into the firm. Where uh, the employees are, are, you know, they, they love the iPads. It gets them engaged in, in, in what's happening out there. And I think that's kind of the direction of the, the future of this industry. So, And it also brings in the spirit of giving for your office. Yeah, I have to say that. I got some great employees and been with me a long time. So we talk about spirit of giving. Uh, so there's a uh, classic Christmas story that talks about a little boy who lived in poverty. He had almost nothing except for a small drum that he played. As the story tells, when the, the Christ child was born, all that he could give him was the gift of music that he had. He played on his drum for him. And, uh, and, and so many talents, it comes back that uh, many of us have talents that we can share with others. For some, it has been the gift of listening to others. It may be the gift of teaching. Some may have the gift of compassion. Our gifts may not be visible, but they can certainly be felt and shared with those who we come in contact with. You know, it to me, it... I think that's one of the greatest gifts uh, is the gift of serving others, whether it be listening, giving compassion, helping your neighbor down the street, perhaps an elderly uh, man or woman, get to the grocery store, to the doctor appointments. Those gifts of service are are the most precious of all. You know, it's it's interesting as we as we as we go through life, we often get busy and wrapped up into what our schedules are. And um, and sometimes we fail to see this giving back, um, sharing our gifts with others. But but for the times that people do, it um, it really becomes meaningful. Um, there was once a uh, a couple of weeks ago a guy sitting on a um, a chair. We went up to go get our car fixed, and uh, my wife and I 
uh, drove down and 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 when we got out of the car, my wife had a fistful of dollars that uh, fell out of her pocket, and uh, she didn't see it. I didn't see it, and we were going in and um and and this guy who was sitting on a chair doing nothing saw it. He walked over, picked the money up, and he chased me down. He says, uh, "Sir," he goes, "Your wife dropped all this money." He goes. Uh, here you go. And I look at that and I go, wow. So I put it in the rightful place, my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, you know, and then I got to thinking, I, I watched this guy kind of the forlorn look, walk down, sat down in the chair again, doing nothing. I said, you know, oh, this is something. I said, I think this guy has run on some hard times. And, uh, so I walked over to him and took the money out of my pocket. And I said, here, why don't you just have this? Um, I, I said, I think that there's a lesson here of integrity. You could have kept the money. Nobody would have known what happened. I said, but because of your honesty, I think you deserve this. It just is a, a tribute to what happened here today. All of a sudden, there was just this connection. I saw the forlorn look grow to a smile. He looked into my eyes. He goes, wow, thank you. And uh, And I walked away. I felt good about it. And I said, that that taught me a lesson of life, of how stopping to think about the needs of another person, helping them out, can can drive great meaning. Isn't there a great connection there, too? Uh, when we do serve others, when we do give and help, it brings you the happiness. It's actually you. It's almost the key to happiness is, is the reward that it brings to you. And it changes your whole day. You know, it's a, I, I was once on a, down in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, we were there for a conference, and I was staying at this nice hotel, the Four Seasons Hotel, right downtown, and about two blocks away was a soup kitchen. Actually, yeah. not even, it's within the same block. It's just mm-hmm. a mismatch there. But we were getting on the bus, when we were going golfing, you know, and so we're all like in our, you know, nice golf attire and clubs in the back, and, and there was an old homeless man walking down the line as we stood in line, he goes, Anyone got some money for, you know, coffee, for breakfast, blah, blah, you know, and just had his cup out there. And guy walked by and, oh, I said, I'm not going to give him any money. <laughs> then, then, you know, my conscience started bothering me. Yeah, he he kind of looks hungry. So I thought, I'll reach and I'll give him a dollar. Right. And, uh, and and so I pull out my hand out of my pocket. It was like, it was either a 5 or $10 bill. I'm like, that's too much. And the guy looks at me, he saw the money. He comes <laughs> running over, he goes, wow, thanks. And and I handed him the money, and um, and I said, you know, uh, he, he looked at me just for, and, and all of a sudden his, you know, his voice changed. He goes, he goes, and with upright shoulders, he goes, my name's William. And he goes, I'm from East St. Louis. He goes, I don't want to be here today walking with a cup down this line. And, he goes, but I want you to know who I am, that I'm a real person. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I'm glad I pulled out the bigger bill, and I'm glad that I gave the bigger bill. And I, I'll never forget that lesson. Uh, you know, helping a person down in his luck, he had no other options in life. And um, taught me something there. You know, I have similar experiences. One thing I teach my son is um, many times at the grocery store you'll see people collecting for um, homeless shelters or um, certain missions to help people get off drugs, 
and you you see the Salvation Army this time of year ringing the bells. And I, I always tell them, I say, whenever you see people asking for money, you must always give because when we have, it, we're, we're I feel it's a blessing that we have and have the opportunity to give. And as long as you have and you can, you should. And I've always taught him to to give something, even if it just be a dollar, just to give a little bit to these people. And I also have been approached. I remember once at a gas station, uh, a woman, and she didn't look homeless, but she was asking for money. And I pulled out a 20. I was prompted to pull, give her $20. And the woman broke into tears and started crying and telling me just the problems that she was having. And um, she was so grateful. And I realized, you know, the feeling that I got from giving uh, was immeasurable and, and something that we all should do. So is it this this is the time of the year as we continue to celebrate as we continue to experience life a lot of us are involved in giving back uh and and those that do will find that reward in life uh it it'll be meaningful to them and for the moments I'm sure that all of us can reflect when we have given what it has meant to us and and so the message today is uh is it, to remember that principle of giving back. Um, we've got a great show coming up today. We have Sanjay Subheader as Storm Ventures, a CEO, and it's going to tell us all about the venture capital in Silicon Valley. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. We have here today Sanjay Subheader. He's the CEO and founding partner of Storm Ventures out of Menlo Park here in Silicon Valley. Sanjay, can you give us some background on Storm Ventures? Yes, Alan. Uh, thank you. And uh, Storm Ventures is an early stage venture capital firm with uh, in- investing in internet and mobile technologies with assets of over five hundred million under management. We have an office on Sand Hill Road in Menlo Park, a single office with five managing directors who have very strong experience in helping entrepreneurs build successful companies. You know, it's been how many years have you been uh, at this for in the venture venture industry? Since 2000. 2000. Wow, your timing was impeccable there. Or terrible, some would say. You know? <laughs> well, I tell you, it's uh, so, so in terms of. Um, and let, let me go back to your prior life before venture capital. What were you? Uh, what were I you was the uh, uh, a, a CFO of a company called Stratacom in 1986, uh, employee number 26. Took the company public in 1992. The day we went public, our market cap was 100 million dollars. And then four years later, we sold the company to Cisco for 4.7 billion. Uh, then that was I stayed at Cisco for a year. Left in 97. I wanted to do it again to prove to myself that this was not a fluke. So I joined a company called E-Tech Dynamics as their chief operating officer in 97, took that company public in 98, and then sold that to JDS Uniphase uh, for $17 billion in 2000. So it was we were living the bubble. Man. And then basically the analogy I use is that when you're young, you can run fast and take the hits, but as you get older, you you have to go on the sidelines and be a coach. So in 2000, I set up Storm Ventures to be a coach to entrepreneurs, having had the the privilege of working in two very successful uh, companies and creating a lot of value for all stakeholders, I felt that I could help uh, young entrepreneurs do the same. 
Yeah, it gives a great perspective having worked on both sides of the fence, understanding what it is like to truly build a company. And now you're in a position where you can coach a person along the way for what what they need to do to make this thing succeed. That's great. Yeah. So, what are some of the current trends you see now, Sanjay, in the venture capital? Uh, Nadine, uh, the starting a company is easier than it ever was. I think all the technologies that we have put in place over the last 20, 30 years with uh, computing and storage and bandwidth has made building a business very easy. You can get compute resources, storage resources by the drink. You sign up with AWS or, or Google or whatever. And you can put up a, a website to sell your product or service, and you have a global Consume, uh, customer base that you can access without having to open offices in London and uh, Bangalore or Beijing. So the uh, the cost of building a business barriers to entry are very low, and there's a lot of capital available too, and uh, today. So the challenge today now is for entrepreneurs and investors is how do you take ideas and make successful businesses given that the barriers to entry are relatively low. So what we say is you need entrepreneurs, you need more than just money, you need experience, investors who help you build your business successfully because execution is becoming more critical than just an idea. You know, it's interesting. I recently was at a dinner with Eric Schmidt, the CEO, chairman of the board of uh, Google. And he was, uh, it was on the day that they made the announcement that the Android phone would now have uh, music support and put it on parity with the iPhone. And as he was standing up there, he was kind of giving the perspective. He says, think of, think for a minute if you had uh, people walking around with a billion iPhones in their pocket and you just had a small percentage of them, you know, picking up an app and in this case take Angry Birds, mm-hmm. you know, something for the kids. Right. You know, think of, you know, you have twenty million dollars overnight or but he was he was outlining this 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 trend in um the future business about the the lack of barriers to entry. Right. So where where are you focusing your, your energy and your efforts in right now? Right now, uh historically Storm has invested in networking uh, communications, telecom, and uh, more recently, we have investing in cloud, uh, virtualization, uh, software, software as a service. These are all technologies that can make uh, 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 companies very more uh, more productive and help consumers uh, also live and learn and play and work better. Do you limit your uh, in investments to Silicon Valley, or you you have broad reach in other countries? And uh, our preference is to invest in companies in Silicon Valley because, as the early stage investors, that's where we can add the most value. Having said that, uh, two things that I want to point out is one is sixty seventy percent of the companies that we invest in Silicon Valley do something outside Silicon Valley, mostly development in India or Israel or China. And they're selling to a global marketplace. So we as investors and our entrepreneurs have to have a global perspective from day one. Having said, also said the second point I want to make, we have made investments in companies in Boston and New Jersey and Israel and Korea and China and India. So uh, innovation is becoming more diffuse than it ever was. Uh, but when we invest outside the area, it has to be with a local partner 
And it, the product or service that the entrepreneur is focusing on has to have a global element to it because if it does not need Silicon Valley DNA, if you're just serving the local domestic market in China or India, there's not much value we can add from here. So that probably is not an investment we would make. Hmm. Yeah, I, I heard a statistic recently that 50% of all the venture money in the world is right here in Silicon Valley. I mean, would you agree with that or what? I would say that the the font of innovation is still uh, Silicon Valley, and it's a combination of things that many people have tried to uh, emulate with Silicon Oasis and Silicon Alley and Silicon this and Silicon that, but nobody has succeeded as well as we have. And it's a, there are three things that we have which I think are unique. One, we have in the U.S. some of the best education institutions in the world. And they attract the brightest students from all over. And I hope we continue to do that. We continue to attract them and we continue to make it easy for the brightest students to come here and stay here. The second thing is we have the um, uh, a lot of spending from the, in the Defense Department that has uh, funded DARPA as an example, uh, DOE as an example, have, and the space program. Things like that have funded a lot of research in these universities with these PhD students, and then that that has create that has been then commercialized by companies like the HPs and the Cisco's and the Intels of the world. So that combination of uh, good universities with smart students, funding from the government, DARPA, NASA, all that to do some leading edge stuff, and then uh, the uh, companies that are role models that can provide the management teams and ability to scale creates a unique um, uh, situation here in Silicon Valley and uh, gives us an edge over uh, in terms of commercializing innovation over everybody else. So what type of company would Storm Ventures be most likely to fund? Well, uh, I'll tell you, this year has been a good year. We've had three good exits, so I'll just give you examples. We did a company called EchoSign that do digital signatures. So instead of spending... Uh, billions of dollars signing people and FedExing back and forth or using the U.S. Post Office, you can do a electronic signature and send it by email. And that company was bought by Adobe uh, this three months ago. So that was a company that we incubated and we worked with the entrepreneur and helped create that uh, a, a very compelling uh, offering. Uh, a second company was uh, Kumu that was sold to Remage. And Kumu was doing enterprise video Video is becoming very important in the enterprise for training, for education, for communications. And so uh, Kumu had done that. And the third company that we sold was Sandforce, which to uh, LSI Logic uh, announced that they're going to acquire the company for $400 million. And that was a semiconductor company that builds controller chips to allow flash, which is what is used in your iPhone and cameras, digital cameras, to use flash in for storage in in the enterprise and on uh, laptops. You know. um, Sanjay, if if I was a, a innovator and wanted to come to your to Storm Ventures for for funding, what type of criteria would I need to have uh, to, for you to take a look at my my innovation? Well, the, the uh, cliche in our industry is there. There are five things that are important for success and. Uh, uh, it's people, 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 the first three, uh, the market you're addressing and the product or idea that you have. So those are the uh, 
things we look for. So people, people, people is really that. So we're looking for entrepreneurs who have a lot of passion, a lot of commitment, uh, a lot of integrity, uh, and want to disrupt a large market. And if they're successful, we can together create a lot of value. Well, this is really good, Sanjay. We're going to have to take a quick break, and I uh, want to have you on for the next segment. Continue on talking about venture capital in Silicon Valley with Sanjay Subheader of Storm Ventures. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. We have with us today Sanjay Subheader. He's the founding partner and the CEO of Storm Ventures. And uh, Sanjay, if we go back into this, what are some of the factors that you believe are affecting venture capital fund flows today? Well, uh, historically, venture capital uh, delivered higher returns, higher returns than what you could get in the bond market or the stock market. And part of it was because it was an illiquid asset class. You could not buy and sell venture capital like you do stocks or bonds every day. And you do need an illiquidity premium. So over the last 20 years, the NASDAQ and the S&P have returned on the average 89 and 8.7%, and venture has returned 24%. So it was, as an asset class, it was very successful. But what happened is, the, like any success, it uh, create, attracted a lot more capital. And as a result, in 2000, which was the peak of venture capital, uh, we raised $200 billion that year. And we, uh, you know, uh, and there were probably 1,800 uh, funds at that point in time. But then 2001, as you know, there was a dot-com bust. And venture capital returns over the last 10 years have fallen. In fact, they're negative if you look at it on the average over the last 10 years. And But the, uh, the public markets have not done well either. You know, we've just had a very bad decade for investors, whether it's in real estate or bonds or stocks or venture capital. So as a result, the uh, the assets allocated to this category have shrunk, which is natural. So we've gone from, at the peak, having over $350 billion under management to probably 180 under management, almost cut in half. And we've gone from, like I said, 1,800 or so um, uh, funds to maybe less than 500, between 400 and 500 so the industry has shrunk. There is less capital today. But on the other hand, you need less capital to take a company uh, to scale because the the fundamental core technologies that used up a lot of capital, like building networks and bandwidth and storage and compute, they've all been taken care of. And so now we're doing the next generation of things, the applications that run on these things. And uh, those companies don't require as much money. You know, it's interesting. It's with 1,800 funds out there, I guess, in the early 2000s. or You know, it just got to be surreal that people would run out there and they would just be throwing money on the table at anything that moved. And uh, so I, I have to believe that scaling down from 1,800 to 500, it's been healthy for the market as a whole. Yes, that definitely is healthy. And I think uh, uh, it's going to... Just like anything else, it got overdone, and the pendulum has probably swung, swung a little bit too the too far to the left, and it will swing back back up. Uh, this year and the next two three years look great for exits uh, and therefore returns for venture capital. Uh, we've already seen very large exits of companies like Groupon and LinkedIn and and uh, 
Zynga is supposed to be around the corner and companies like Facebook around the corner. And like I told you earlier, uh, Storm itself has had three very good exits this year, and we will have returned 50% of called capital to our limited partners in a fund that we still have a lot more to give back, you know. Well, that's good. Good good news for the venture industry is good news for the economy as a whole because eventually all that liquidity trickles down into the economy and, and the newfound money. You know, people now can buy their homes again. They can get their raises and their, their – it just it, – it, that trickle-down effect is what, what's been lacking, especially here in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And besides just the, the money part, the all the innovation has made everything we do, whether we are uh, our work, our play – uh, much easier and more fulfilling. So uh, the productivity has increased significantly um, and the cost of doing businesses in many, many areas have made it very easy, uh, have been made easier because of uh, the technologies. You know. let, let me rewind back 30 years ago and, and let's look at what Silicon Valley was then. Uh, if if you start back at that, that time period, I, I, I've heard that today there's a lot of focus on you know, a software. But what what was it like before? What was the time when you made an investment there? How many years was it to exit versus what is that today? Uh, used to be six, seven, eight years because it took about two to three years to develop a product. And then what you did was when you first had the product, you would sell it in the U.S. because the U.S. was more than 50% of the market. And then you would go about two, three years later, you would go to Europe and then three, four, five years later, you would go to Asia. So you would market your product serially across those geographies. So it took six, seven, eight years before you were a reasonable sized company. Now, uh, if you know, many of these products can be, first of all, standards have evolved. So you don't have as many uh, varieties, if you would. I mean, uh, in 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 video, as an example, you had NTSC as a standard. In the U.S. and then PAL in you know in Europe and Asia, and then you had one tw- 110 volts here and 220 there. So all these created fragmentation, market fragmentation. But as you can see, in, like in cellular, the GSM standard or LTE or uh, Wi-Fi is a global standard. So when you build a product for Wi-Fi, you can sell it anywhere in the world from day one. You don't need to, other than uh, language localization, you don't need to do anything else. So markets are becoming more global, and the Internet, which is, again, an innovation that we created here, has made it very uh, easy to set up your product or your service available for sharing or downloading or enjoying, if it's a game, or a software using that as a a tool for your business, uh, very easy. Um, Sanjay, have you belonged to any boards, and can you tell us a little bit about uh, your experience there? Nadine, typically when we invest, we take a board seat. So I'm on the board of several companies, uh, Transera, RiceMart, Greenlight, uh, IML, which is a public company on the Taiwan Stock Exchange. I also serve, uh, I believe that we have to give back to the community, so I also serve on some nonprofit boards the Palo Alto Medical Foundation that does a fabulous job here in the community providing medical services to our, uh, you know, uh, residences. And then Filoli, which is a beautiful facility. And then I'm on the board of the Indian School of Business in Hyderabad. I'm a big believer that education is the ultimate intervention, that the gift that keeps on giving. 
I was also on the board of the Indiana University Foundation, uh, which is where I went to school, Bloomington, Indiana, for several years. But then I uh, just got difficult to go back and forth, so I uh, stepped down this earlier this year. You know, I'm, I'm going to bring this back into the, uh, the, the the time to delivery on a product. It used to be that, so you had six or seven, eight years. And then I think as the market was running through, uh, you know, the, paring down the number of venture capitalists and trying to find their the, the, their place in the market was scaling down the uh, the amount of funds out there. It seemed that the link to really get uh, companies launched had really extended. Um, you know, and I heard something around uh, seven to ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, has that changed today? I mean, do, do you see this reemergence of uh, you know venture capitalists coming in at better valuations? Technology is enabling companies to go out quicker. In some areas, uh, it's true that uh, technologies can be quick, especially in more the consumer-facing technologies. But on the other hand, uh, life sciences and clean tech, two areas that Storm does not invest in, but are very good areas for innovation still, their life cycles are, like you said, 8, 10, 12 years to get to uh, good product and good revenues and profitability. Uh, In the... um, in the traditional enterprise space, which is what we invest in, uh, six, seven, eight years is a reasonable time frame still. What do you see happening down the road? I mean, what what, what trends do you see emerging right now in the software industry? And in without giving specifics, but just in in general, um, the a um, uh, couple of things. Uh, I think uh, uh, the software industry is changing very quickly to uh, from a the old uh, shrunk shrink wrap or product model that you bought a product and you installed it on a computer or a server behind the firewall to using software as a service in the cloud. And what that does is you have only one instance of software that the company has to maintain and improve and change, and every customer just logs on and uses that software to provide whatever stuff they want to do, whether it's uh, customer management or inventory management or accounting. And that model is a very efficient model for the customer and for the developer. And so it allows you to provide a very, very good solution, very cheap and very cheaply and very quickly. Um, so you'll hear these words, software as a service or software in the cloud, and that is a trend. So all the traditional software guys are going to have to migrate their software from packaged software or enterprise software to a software that's multi-tenanted, hosted in the cloud, and available as a service on a monthly basis. Uh, Sanjay, if our listeners are interested in contacting you, what would be the best way to do so? Nadine, the best way is to send an email to me at sanjay at stormventures.com. You can go on our website, www.stormventures.com, and look at the portfolio of companies that we've invested in and uh, look at our uh, the partners who are listed there and their experience and write to any one of us. We're always open to uh, listening to entrepreneurs and their ideas and giving feedback quickly. Excellent. We've been visiting here today with Sanjay Subheader. He's the founding partner of Storm Venture. Sanjay, it's been a pleasure having you here on the show today. Thank you, Alan, and thank you, Nadine. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. We've just been visiting with Sanjay Subheader. The founding partner is Storm Ventures. Uh, we learned about the state of venture capital here in Silicon Valley. And wow, there is a lot of new technology coming out. You know, 
I recently attended a a, uh, a conference where the chairman of the board of Google spoke on the Android phone, uh, Eric Schmidt. And it was interesting. He kind of put it in perspective of, uh, you know, Google's outlook for the future. And, and uh, what he felt was going to happen was there's going to be this new emergence of uh, industry and software applications. And he said that Google was going to aggressively, you know, get the phone out there. And, of course, it's not just in the U.S. anymore, but it's worldwide. And uh, he said, look, if someone gets a successful app and you got a billion users on the phone and they're they're downloading that app and pay 99 cents and say you catch 2% of that market, you know, I mean, you got tens of millions of, of, of dollars, you know, coming out on that, so... That's right. Alan, what do you think how emerging technologies, how are they going to affect businesses? Well, I think the emerging technologies, things are getting faster, they're getting quicker, they're getting more efficient. Uh, Anyone that's standing still is going to get run over. Um, You know, so managing partner of a CPA firm, uh, you know, the, the CPAs are typically late adopters. And so I've made a conscious effort within our firm not to stand still. And uh, we have already moved our firm into the cloud. So there's a concern about client confidentiality. And, well, we haven't gone but both feet in. Uh, but we've taken things like the email and the, the, um, the, the SharePoint, what Microsoft puts out, and we, we moved in there. But I, it clearly is the direction that we're heading there. Um, so when we move into the cloud, obviously it makes it a lot easier that you know, software as a service is emerging, and um, the infrastructure, the, the backbone of the internet, be, becoming a lot easier to um, to come into. Uh, you go to buy a TV set today, and you're buying it with built-in Wi-Fi. And so it's like, are you buying a TV set, or are you buying a computer? And uh, the the two are you know, are quickly blending together, where you're not really able to um, to to really differentiate because the power of within your TV set is um, is quickly becoming what the computers used to be. Exactly. You know, Alan, at your firm, Greenstein, Rogoff, Olson & Company, I'm sure many individuals come to you for uh, tax advice on their new startups. What industry do you see that um, most that is starting startups and how do are they do they end up turning out successfully? Well, clearly the the big trend is in software right now. Um, that's uh, the the major theme. People looking out there, even what people consider kind of silly in the past. I was golfing a couple years ago with a uh, you know an individual who's from another country. I, I believe he he uh, you know um, had his office over in China. And we were talking, I said, well, what do you do, you know, for, for work? And he was a venture capitalist, but he says, he said, I just started a new company. And I said, well, tell me about it. He goes, well, I got to ring the bell last week on Wall Street. And I'm like, okay, that's serious money. Uh, you know, you took an IPO? He goes, yep. And he says, and we had a $4 billion market cap. And I still was not aware. I said, well, what exactly do you do? He goes, we write a stupid game. <laughs> I said... A stupid game can uh, market cap a company at four billion dollars on the IPO. That that's serious money, and uh, and he explained because you know difference in the U.S. between China is you go online market it's times ten over there with 
the number of people you get out there. So the economy um, is not just limited now within the borders of here, Silicon Valley, or the United States. It's a global economy, especially when you have these transparency across the platforms where the, there's a compatibility on an iPhone in in Russia or China or the U.S. and and that that's an accessible market. So um, that, those are some of the trends that I see coming on. It, it's more global. It'll clearly get more competitive. Um, you know, the the new iPhone that just came out with the series technology. You know, I don't really understand. It's just trying to keep up with all this and. Uh, you know, I was riding up with my brother recently to an event, and he pulled out the iPhone 4, and he says, have you seen the new series technology? And I said, well, I know I have it, but I haven't used it. Oh, you haven't, Alan. <laughs> you need to get I'm, with the times. Well, remember, I'm a CPA, and I'm a late adopter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the uh, but, but he was showing me, he's just talking to the phone, you can send an email now. Right, and so I said, "Give me, give me my phone back," and and I started doing that and texting, and and uh, this thing really understood, you know, um, language. In fact, I had a friend ask the series phone to marry, marry, you know, marry him, and uh, phone responded, "says Well, that's not within my end user agreement." <laughs> right, and you <laughs> could also ask it there. the <laughs> meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? There. There are a lot of fun questions you can get some fun answers on from Siri. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the trends I see, I see software continuing to build, continuing to make our life more efficient. Um, I see also these uh, developments in the medical community with healthcare. Uh, th- there's going to be a lot of effort spent into, you know, the the areas that we need to solve in society. And I, I feel for the most part, what gets solved is really where the demographics are. This world is still about people, and it's about the needs of the people within. It may be great technology, but if the people don't need it, it's not going to go anywhere. Ellen, um, do when someone comes to you with an idea, are you able to ascertain if they're going to be successful with that idea and maybe even help them to package that idea for a venture capitalist like Sanjay? Well, absolutely. The, the fact that they're coming to us is a is a step in in the right direction. Uh, you know, people that just say, "Well, I'm going to do everything by myself, and I don't need anybody else." Rarely do they go very far. It's um, when they put together a team, the power of that network will help to enable them to get where they want to be. Our firm started way back in the the, the '60s uh, with some of the early venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. Those families are still with us today. They they started the uh, Oracle. Uh, national semiconductor, and uh, these VCs played a role in building the backbone of Silicon Valley. So, over the course of years, we've seen a lot of people walk through the doors, and uh, we can quickly look at it and say, you know, okay, so based on what we're seeing here, you know, what do we think this company needs? And uh, clearly, people that have done it once, they can do it again, yeah, because they understand what it takes. And, and the most critical part about it is the strength of their network. Are they associating with the right people that can enable them to get where they need to be? Right. So, And then beyond that, people trying to break in say, well, I haven't done it before. It's kind of like your first job, and you apply for it, and they say, well, I need someone with experience. <laughs> and you say, well, how do we get experience without getting a first job? And so you got to catch 22. So, you know, uh, if you're looking at breaking into that, you got to be prepared. you got to put your plan together and perhaps bring some other friends along who have the experience there. 
So that plan should have a, a clear vision, a definition of what you want to do, and that the communication of that vision should be able to be engaging to others. If others are listening to what you're having to say and they're not capturing it, maybe you really don't have a good idea or, or a, a good solid business plan. Right. And then the, uh, the the last part about developing accountability, you return and report from what you're setting out to do. And and so as you follow that, uh, communi- you know, setting your vision, defining the vision, the communicating that to others, and then the return and report accountability is a great foundation for, for getting your business off the ground. So. And as Sanjay said, people, people, people is that team, that network that you're going to have to help support you in being successful. Absolutely. It's, uh, that, that's what it's all about. You don't have to have the best technology, but you got, you got to have an excellent network. Right. And uh, the, the viral networks today have proved that uh, they make money if, they, if they're associated with the right people. So, so it's been fun here today, Nadine. Uh, we got another segment coming up. We need to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. Uh, we've been talking today about venture capital, launching companies here in Silicon Valley. And uh, what it all spells down to is change is ever-present in our society. Uh, you know, it's like a river that continues to move. The technology is the river. And as technology continues to flow, it opens up new doors, new opportunities. It changes the way that we're able to think, we're able to live, and able to uh, progress in life. I, um, you know, I, I look at things like these new technologies that come out, and uh, you know, and it used to be that you know, ten to twelve years ago, as we were, um, you know, looking at making a living here in life, the stock markets were always playing a big role. They still do play a big role. But, you know, I, I think that uh, the volatility of the markets, you know, up and down, up and down, overshadows some of what's really happening out there as these technologies emerge. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to make a prediction. 2012, the game's changed. Uh, these, uh, I, I think, venture capital's back. You're going to see a lot of new IPOs out there, newfound money. It's going to be brought to the forefront uh, People like Facebook and Twitter, these guys have been sitting on the sidelines trading in something that's called the secondary market. By the way, we're going to have uh, a segment on the secondary market next week. We have John Porter coming in. Oh, excellent. And, and John's going to talk about launching companies or getting your stock sold in the secondary market. Uh, it, it's an interesting uh, interesting game that's being played out there. It's actually forcing the IPO of some of these other Companies. I think Facebook, I've heard a quote that they trade at currently on secondary market, 78 uh, billion market cap valuation. Wow. A That's amazing. Not even public yet. <laughs> so, uh, so um, but, but one of the things I want to bring back in terms of when you, when you go through life, everyone gets one shot. It, you know, you're 20, you're 30, you're 40, you, you, you're that age one time and, and you go through life. And, um, you have an opportunity to really make a difference. You can play a role in changing the world. You can develop new technology, but you can do whatever you want to do as long as you set your mind to it and put it out that that's a goal that I want to accomplish in my life. Well, goal setting is really important personally and also business-wise. I mean, this is the end of the year, and usually it's the best time to sit down, take a look at 
uh, your plan of action, whether it be your personal goals in your life or your business goals, and review them. Or if you're starting a business, and write an action plan, business plan, and review that for the oncoming year. You know, it's it's true. People that set goals can build some accountability into their own life. Um, you know, the, the 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 fact that you put a goal out there says this is the direction that I want to go. And uh, if you're if you're making a statement, you want to go that direction, but you really don't want to go. You're going to learn something about yourself when accountability gets built in, and you set a goal, and you keep don't making that goal. Well, maybe that isn't really what your goal is. And uh, a lot of times people, they wander through life, you know, going from crisis to crisis and forgetting that this timeline is passing them by. So I always start with end of mind. Stephen Covey used to preach this, but where do you want to end up at the end of your life? What do you want people to say about you? It isn't about the money. It's about the journey, the experience, and what you wanted to get out of life. Excellent analogy, Alan. I think that uh, Stephen Covey has some excellent books uh, where, he, where he outlines how to be successful and have good habits, and that encompasses goal setting and, and where we want to be. Well, I'll tell you what, as we prepare for 2012, it would be a good idea for everyone to devise a plan of what changes that, that they want to make in their own individual life so that as they live their life, they can get out of life what they want to. Well, Nadine, it's been a pleasure having you here today. Again, uh, we have John Porter coming on talking about secondary markets and stock market next week. This is Alan Olson's America Dreams, the Keys to Life Success, where we talk about how to live the life that you want to live. And this is Nadine Camera. What are your dreams? What do you want out of life? And what defines success? We'll be back again next week. <laughs> 